Thank you for joining us today on the Vision Church Podcast. Our mission is to lead people to Christ and help them live out God's vision for their life. Our teaching team has crafted a message that hopefully can encourage, inspire, and also challenge you on your walk. Make sure you subscribe so you never have to miss another episode, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Well, hey, Vision. Oh, y'all, wow. God is uh, definitely working in in our church, and uh, between Friday night and this morning, and we're going with this message and then worship at the end. I want God to minister to you, whether you're here in person or if you're, you're watching online. We're continuing our series. It's called, This is How I Fight My Battles. So they, this is how I fight my battles. Come on now. This is how I fight my battles. We're different kind of fighters. We're different kind of fighters. And if you were here last week or watching online last week, you know, I started a message about the Red Sea and we're dismissing the kids, elementary kids, jump on up, spin around, run to the back and head that way. But last week started a message on the Red Sea and God just made it clear to me that it couldn't be contained in one week. So I broke it into two pieces and I'm glad he did because um, he's been pressing, out, pressing down on me, particularly the last couple of days, about sharing something this morning. And with this Red Sea story account, historical occasion that happened many, many generations ago, um, we can learn from it and it can change us. And so what I want to do is I want to just uh, share for a couple minutes before I get into the message, because um, we have this, this picture of the Red Sea. We used it last week, and um, I had found this picture and tried to imagine what it would be like to be moving the direction of that sea when death was chasing from behind. Pharaoh and all the Egyptians were chasing Moses and the Israelites. As they head toward that Red Sea, didn't have a boat. Didn't have a plan. Felt like they didn't have a hope. And God's been pressing down on me to share um, a slice of my life that's been a Red Sea. Now, if, if, you've, uh, if you've been around here much, you might have seen me use this, this piece of wood a couple times before. One time, man, it was so cool. We even put it here and people held it, came and prayed with it. There's nothing magical about this wood, but there is something powerful about it to me. Because if you know uh, in the Bible, flipping way ahead in the book of Acts, the guy named Paul, when he was on a boat, and the boat was um, in, a, in a storm, a major storm, and it was all coming apart, but God had told Paul, you're not going to die. And in fact, the, the situation got so bleak that at some point, all Paul had left was a piece of wood to cling to. When the boat tore to pieces, and they were floating along, and all he had was that. And so um, somewhere around 2020, 2021, I know the whole world was like falling apart. But there was something that even just happened between COVID, between our church, between people being mean, between things happening to where my world felt like it was, it was coming apart. To where um, the ranch my wife runs, I, I was out there one day and we have this, this weathered wood. It's old wood. It's hard wood. And I saw a longer piece and I, and I cut this piece and I said, okay, God, this is going to be in my office because I have to remember that if you're all I got to cling to, you're all I got to cling to. 
And like Paul, I'm just going to believe that you're enough. Now, this got tested. Many times it got tested. And uh, earlier this summer, um, I was in a meeting and uh, involved uh, my wife, some of our team members, uh, some other family members. And we're meeting. I had a meeting at, at our house. And, and we're talking. And you know when you're in a spot where frustration starts pressing in and you can feel tension rising. We weren't mad at each other. We were just tense about the whole situation. Our, our church wasn't growing. In fact, our church felt like it was dying. And we're like, God, what do we do? Are we going to make it? Do we merge? Do we give up? Are we supposed to do this? Were we ever supposed to have done this? And in that meeting, the pressure is rising. Literally, the temperature in the room I could feel was rising to where finally I said lovingly to everybody in the room, I said, we need to stop. Let's just stop here and let's, let's, just, let's just break off. So broke off, everybody left, whatever. And I walked out of my office in my home and I felt so tight. I know you can relate because everybody has their Red Sea moments. And I was in my Red Sea moment at like the peak of it. And I walked out of that room and I'm so tight and I'm so tense and I'm so scared and I'm so mad and I'm so bitter and I'm so shameful and I'm all these, all these things. And I walk out of my office. And I'm like, God, what do I do now? And it's getting, and I'm walking outside. It's getting kind of rainy, getting gray. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to walk out to the mailbox. And I'm walking down the driveway. And I'm feeling all of this on me. And if you could understand, because you've been in your Red Sea moments. In my Red Sea moment, when it comes to this and this place, you know, this is my career. This is also my job. This is also where my family comes together to do something together. And this is also my church. You imagine the potential of losing all those things at the same time. I'm walking down the driveway, head toward the mailbox, just walking, and I had this thought. God, this is why so many people think about killing themselves. It's like, oh my goodness. And I wasn't thinking, I wasn't like, I'm going to go stand in front of a tractor trailer and get hit. I was not thinking that, but it literally, I walked down the driveway and said, God, this is why so many people in this world think about killing themselves. Because they get to a moment like this and they don't know what to do. So I go to the mailbox and I open it up and there's one thing in there that was instantly a reminder of failure. And I open it up, and I start yelling at it. I don't know if anybody drove by or not. They're like, that, that man's crazy. He is officially cray-cray out there at the road. Because I'm like, and I just yelled at it because it was such a picture of where I was at. And I go walking back on the driveway, and I'm like, God, I'm not going to lose my family for this church. I'm not going to lose my health for this church, this ministry. I'm not going to lose my life and my dignity and my future for this. So what do you want me to do? And again, it's getting rainy, drizzly. And it's like God said to me, let's go for a walk. So I go inside. I get my little raincoat. I go in the back. And I get my dog. And I get my truck. And I drive out to the ranch. And it starts raining. And I was like, I don't care. And me and God and Dakota walked around for about an hour in the woods. 
and we had a talk. Because either it was all going to end that day or something had to change that day. And I was at the Red Sea and I was looking back and I said, God, the Red Sea's in front of me and Pharaoh's behind me and I don't know what to do, but I know I love you and I know you love me, so what do I do? And I came back from that trail and I could see things differently. And that's where the Red Sea rules come into play. So we're going to continue today because this bottom line that the God who led you in is the God who will lead you out, I'm living it. And I want you to live it too. It doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but it does mean he's there with you. And if you're here today or watching online, I want you to know, we're here with you too. Did you hear what Stephen said? He could sense it when he came to our church. And Stephen, you're right. We're a group of people on a journey together saying, hey, let's, let's face Red Seas together. So if you've got pull out your connection card, your phone, your Bible, whatever you've got, thank you, Emmaus. And we're going to figure this out together because last week, we went through the first five rules. And I tell you, this, this week, especially last night, I was sitting out late last night, had a little sweet frog. It was my birthday. We went sweet frogging. And then I hopped back home full, sat out back. And I said, God, I'm a blessed man. And I need to know that this is real. And I literally went through the Red Sea rules and said, well, how does this look then when I look at that piece of wood? How does that look then through this filter of what I'm talking about, what I'm living through? And think about this. And again, if you missed last week, I'm encouraging you to go back and watch it or listen to it so you can pick these up. But here's, here's a quick recap. Think about this. The first rule is realize that God has allowed you to be there. When I was walking down my driveway, it wasn't like God was like, oh my goodness, I forgot about Matt. He slipped outside of my grasp. I can't find Matt now. He's lost. He, I can't get to him. God has allowed you to be there when you're facing the Red Sea. The second, as a recap, oh, really? Be more concerned for God's glory than your relief? Not when you're in that moment. You're like, no, I need relief. God says, no, especially in that moment. You need to be more concerned about the glory of God. As I talked about last week, glory is pointing towards somebody and recognizing who they are and what they are and what they do. So in your darkest moment, that's exactly when you need to be concerned about God's glory. Number three, acknowledge your enemy, but keep your eyes on the Lord. And that's so hard when your enemy's trying to be right here and right here, and God says, no, 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 no. You, you take your enemy and you put him over there. Don't, don't deny that he's there because the enemy's there. Because I'm telling you all, on that day, on that Tuesday, in my darkest time, my enemy was right there saying, give it up. You give up. Give up the, the ministry. Give up your life. Give up your family. Give up hope. It's okay. I'm going to put him over here. I'm going to acknowledge him, but I'm going to focus on Jesus. Because the pressure in the situation tries to do that. And you're like, okay, Jesus, I know you're there. Oh, the enemy, the situation. No, no, no. Make sure you get it right. Acknowledge the enemy, but make sure you focus on Jesus being there. Number four was simply pray, but it's not that simple, is it? When you're in that moment, it's not that simple. 
But again, that verse in 1 Peter says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so you can pray. I was focused on that. My God, I need you to make me clear-minded. Holy Spirit, I need you to have control so I can have control so I can actually talk to you, God. I can do that. And in fact, and Angie knows this, this also timed up parallel with when we as a church said, we're going to start having a prayer warrior on Sunday morning. And so every Sunday now, during the message and response song, somebody's there and they're praying, standing guard for you guys. We're saying as a church, a different kind of prayer. As an individual, a different kind of prayer. And the fifth part of the recap is stay calm and confident. And listen to this, give God time to work. Give him time to work. You're like, but I don't have any patience. Actually, if you know Jesus as your Savior and you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, He gives you self-control. Remember it says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. So I'm telling you, rule number five, stay calm. Give God time to work. Well, as I get into the other half of this message today then, I want you to remember a couple things. God is committed to you being free. Think about that. He's more committed to you being free than you being happy. He's more committed to you being free than you being comfortable. He wants you to be free. He looked at me on the driveway. He said, Matt, I love you, and yes, I want you to be happy and comfortable, but actually, I want you to be more so be free from the way you feel right now. I want you to be free from what is trying to terrorize you and limit your future. That's what God is saying to you, and you're like, God, send me money because I can't pay the bills. God says, I want to take care of you, but more than that, I want you to be free. You say, God, my marriage is falling apart. Fix it. God says, even before I fix it, I want you to be free so that you don't let this tyranny come in and wreck your relationships and wreck who you are. So God says, I have to walk you through a process so you could be free even before you're happy. I hope you let that sink in. Because also remember this, the enemy will press you the hardest when you get closest to the miracle. Okay, because you're getting closer and the enemy's like, oh, goodness, that man, that woman, they're about to step up and the Red Sea's about to part. I better convince them to back up. I better convince them to run. I better convince them to give up. You're like, no, I'm moving closer. And the enemy's like, I have to fight them harder. They're getting closer to the miracle. So trust me, hang in there if you're feeling like the pressing is worse than ever. To me, that means you're getting closer than ever, that God is going to break through and something's going to happen. So this week, as I was studying this, God opened up um, a new passage. You get to think about this. You know, in Psalm 106, David writes, and he reflects back on the Red Sea. Listen to this. He says, remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. We've sinned, even as our ancestors did. We've done wrong and acted wickedly. You understand it? When, when the, the people were heading toward the Red Sea, they sinned because they doubted. Remember, they were saying like, Moses, how could you lead us here? We want to die back there. You should have left us back there. Why did you make that decision? Bra, 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 bra. We missed that because like, the Red Sea, they took it. Before they took it, they sinned. And David said, God, I'm just like my ancestors and my, my faith wavers. And God, I am sorry, and I confess, and I repent, and I want to be stronger. Please help me. He continues here in verse 7, says, When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They didn't remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by that sea, by the Red Sea. Yet, David says, 
He saved them for his namesake to make his mighty power known. Somebody say mighty power. You know, there's a difference between knowing somebody has mighty power and seeing it. And God, he wants to work through us so people can see it. So the world doesn't just hear about God's mighty power. They see it. So when you're in your Red Sea moment, you show it. That gives glory to God. It says, he rebuked the Red Sea and dried it up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. God saved them from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. We're going to get there. Let's go to Red Sea rule number six. When you're unsure, you just take that next logical step of faith. That's where I was on that driveway. God, what do I do now? God said, let's go for a walk. He didn't give me all the answers. He didn't lay out the whole plan. He just said, Matt, here's the next thing you can do. Get away from the situation. Get out in nature because God knows that's, that's like one of my like, key spiritual pathways is when I get in nature, I can hear God better. Man, I heard him Friday night. I don't know about y'all. Woo. So I took the next logical step. I said, okay, God, I'm not going to go figure it out. I'm not going to my computer. I'm certainly not going to post anything. I'm going to go spend some time with you in the wilderness and listen for you. Exodus 14, 15, the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Now, there's, this is interesting because actually if we rewind a couple of verses where we finished up last week in Exodus 14, back to verse 13, Moses had said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. You're like, hey, good news. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That is a good word, but it wasn't exactly what God wanted. There are times when God wants you to be still and listen for him. In this moment, though, God comes right back in in verse 15. Remember, I just read it. It says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to get off their butt and get moving. That's the Matt version. I don't know exactly sure how God said it, but he basically said, you stop sitting and waiting. I want to see some faith in action. That's what he's saying to you. That's what he's saying to me. Take the next logical step of faith and move. In fact, some quotes. I love this. Martin Luther King Jr. said, faith is taking the first step even when you can't see the whole staircase. He said that. Isabel Kuhn said, I found that if we go as far as we can, God often opens up the rest of the way. And, and there, there is a time to sit and pray. There is a time for movement and action. In fact, Nehemiah was reflecting on this many years later to his people when he said, uh, because God, because of your great compassion, you didn't abandon them, speaking of his ancestors in the wilderness, by day the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. Nehemiah was saying, look guys, God said move, and he went with them. He opened it up by day with the cloud. He made sure they saw it at night by the fire. Psalm 42.8 says, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. God is saying, I am with you. In that dark moment, I am with you. I'm with you. And with rule number six, when you don't know what to do next, I'm encouraging you. Cast out fear 
and seek light for the next step. You're like, but Matt, I'm so scared. Okay, well, you know, perfect love casts out fear. So what I'm believing in is God's saying you need more God, more God, more God, more Jesus, more Holy Spirit, more praise, more praise. Fill it up. Fear will be cast out. You can take that next step. In fact, if you can't see what lies clearly in the distance, do what lies clearly real close. Okay, God, I took that step. God's like, good. Good. You can't see all the whole way? Take the next step. Take the next step. Red Sea rule number seven. Envision God's enveloping presence, his covering presence, his surrounding presence. Didn't we sing about that, John? He goes before us, behind us, around us, within us, Oh, in the morning, in the evening. Envision that. Exodus 14, 19 through 20 said, Then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of them, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near each other. This is God saying to you, I've got you. I've got you. In fact, I just had to write down this week some of the things about him so I can remember it. He's saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Like, there's no place in time I'm not going to be. I'm there. For his children, he serves as our guard and our guide. That's who he is. He both proceeds and he protects us. And he is simultaneously our shepherd and our shield. All those things about him are right from Scripture. That's who God is for you. That's who he is. That's his enveloping presence. Psalm 125.2 says, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now. Say now and forevermore. Say forevermore. That's great news. In your dark moment when you're like, God, you're not here. I can't feel you. I can't sense you. God says, look at my word. Look at my promises. I've told you I will surround you now and forevermore. Now, in your Red Sea moment, you, uh, you may now be in a place where God's presence has never been so real to you. You're like, okay, God, I'm terrified, but I can sense you're here. here here's what God's doing. God is using difficulty to cultivate within you a greater appreciation for him. Because I don't know about you, when things are great, I tend to drift. I don't know if there's any drifters in here. And you're like, hey, God, things are great. Man, I hadn't read my Bible in a while. Things are great. Kind of hadn't been to church in a while. God, things are great. I didn't really talk to you in a while. God, honestly, I really don't need you today. I kind of got it taken care of, if we're being real. But we're in that moment when it's all collapsing. And God's like, I'm, I'm close to you. You can hear me now. Now, for the Israelites, it could be said that once they enter the promised land years later, that God's presence wasn't visible. The cloud went away. The fire went away. Actually, you ever read about Solomon's temple? They got filled with the smoke, with the cloud. You ever read about Pentecost when the fire came out and it was all over? You ever see Christians that are now alive with God's presence? Jeanette walks in this morning. God's presence, boom, is shining from her. Fire, cloud, however you want to describe it. God says, I'm still there, and in fact, I want to shine through you for the other people in your life that need me. That's what God does. So we got to go to Red Sea rule number eight. Trust God to deliver in his own unique way. I'm like, but God, I, I want a predictable way. <laughs> I want a neat, clean, on time way. 
I want a way that works on my timeline. God says, no, I'm going to work in my unique way. So in verses 21, 22, said, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided. The Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. You imagine what that looked like with a wall of water in a wall of water? I mean, were there like fish swimming in there? Were there turtles like coming up to them looking like, what is going on with you? And you're like walking by like, pet. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, what, what was that like? A wall of water. That's what God's word says. God did it in his own unique way. So when you trust God to deliver in his unique way, you can jot down some of these references. So this week, and I tell you, I'm loving hearing from people that are saying, Pastor Matt, I'm reading these scriptures during the week. I'm digging into it. Because again, this is a catalyst, a catalyst in your walk. So jot these down. Psalm 34, 19, the righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Job 5, 19, from six calamities, he'll rescue you. In seven, no harm will, no harm will touch you. Psalm 50, 15, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. You know what these are? These are like darts. You're just, hey, enemy, take you down, take you down, take you down, take you down. Remember, enemy, you're right down here. You're right down here. Jesus is up here. You're taking scriptures and just hitting them, hitting them, hitting them, hitting them. But then you ask in that dark time, does he still deliver? Does he deliver me? He, de he delivered Pastor Matt. He delivered, you know, that super Christian. He delivered that super person at work. Does he deliver me? Well, that's, honestly, that's one reason why you need to be a part of a church. So that when you're down here and somebody like Stephen steps up and tells his story, you're like, oh, he's still delivering. You might be down here and you're in VIP hearing about somebody healed. You're like, wow, he's still delivering. You get around other Christians that are on this journey, it will lift you. Let me, let me tell you a story. This, uh, this is from the late 1800s. A modern-day miracle that occurred in the history of the Pacific Garden Mission of Chicago. It got to start in the 1880s when a notorious saloon called the Pacific Beer Garden was leased by a sweet Christian couple, George and Sarah Clark. Dropping the word beer, they added the word mission and launched a ministry to downtrodden men and women. So you got a, a man and woman, simple people of simple means, but they're doing something for God. So in the early years, Mr. and Mrs. Clark, they bore the cost of the work themselves, but the ministry's growth depleted their funds, and eventually they couldn't pay the rent, and Mr. Clark had only 24 hours to make the payment, otherwise they'd lose their lease. Surely they're saying, God... We need you, God, in your unique way. We need you to do this. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Clark prayed throughout the night, reminding the Lord of the downtrodden people whose lives are being salvaged. Emerging from their house at daybreak, they gasped. I don't know if you ever had a moment where you've gasped because you're like, oh, God, you did something. Their yard was blanketed in white. Looking closer... They discovered the lawn was covered with rare mushrooms of highest quality, although it wasn't the season for mushrooms. Gathering the crop, the Clarks carted the mushrooms down to the Palmer House restaurant and sold them to the chefs for enough money to pay the rent. 
Years later, Mrs. Clark, commenting on the experience, said, no mushrooms were ever seen before, and they were never seen since. We'd never seen mushrooms around there. God wants to do his unique thing in your life, but we have to trust him. And that's why we gather together as Christians, right, and hear about somebody healed and hear about somebody who, who God did this in their relationship. We hear about somebody, honestly, that was needing to change their career, and God got them fired. And we run together, and we say we're going to make it together. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. So Red Sea Rule number nine, view your current crisis whoo, as a faith builder for your future. Somebody say faith builder. Man, that sounds good to you in church. You're like, yeah, I want my faith built. Until you're facing the Red Sea. You're like, God, I don't know if I can do this. And God says, remember, I'm, I'm going to work in my unique way. I got you covered in my presence. He said, I'm, I'm with you. He said, okay, God, whew, build my faith. Exodus 14, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. When the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. That day, God was more concerned, not about getting the Israelites out of Egypt, but getting the, Egypt out of the Israelites. You understand that? Sure, he's interested in doing something in you, but more than the situation, he wants to change you. He wants to refine you and grow you because you have bigger things to come. And when you think about faith, and that's why you got to spend time in this word. An hour on Sundays is not, is not enough. You get in this word and you read about people like in Luke 1 when faith, it looked like this to the Virgin Mary. She visited Elizabeth. Faith is believing that what the Lord has said to us will be accomplished. That's what happened in Mary. In Romans 4, Paul was writing about Abraham saying, faith is being fully persuaded that God has the power to do what he promised. In Acts 27, Acts 27 with the wood. Faith is believing that things will happen just as he told us. And God said, Paul, you're not going to die. Hold on tight. You're not going to die. And in Hebrews 11, speaking of Abraham and Sarah, faith is considering him faithful who has given us promises. He's given you many, 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 many promises. So I don't want you to miss this. I know we got the bottom line for the day, but I tell you, this, this point right here, this next one, God is drilling down on me. It is so important. Listen to this. Our faith grows when we choose to apply God's promises to today's problems. Get that first. You got a problem? You take God's promises. You apply them to today's problem. And you use the experience to mature you for tomorrow's challenges. So think about this. God I got this situation right now with my money. I can't make it. I'm stressing out. God says, take my promises, apply them to today's problem because I want to use it to do something amazing in your future. He's saying, God, my, I, I, my, my attitude, my temper, my whatever. God says, take my promises, apply them right here so that when you have challenges and opportunities in the future, you're going to be ready. God wants to do that in you. And then Red Sea Rule number 10 is quite simple. Don't forget to praise him. 
Praise him along the way. Praise him when he does it. Don't, don't, let, like, don't let it happen. Then you're like, oh, great, God, thank you. Talk to you in a week. Talk to you in a month. Talk to you sometime. You praise him. In the storm, coming out of the storm, you praise him. That's what they did in Exodus 15. Then Moses and the Israelites sang the song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He's become my salvation. He's my God, and I will praise him. My Father is God, and I will exalt him. One of the main reasons God either directs you in a situation or honestly allows you into a situation is so that you will praise him in the situation. Because as big as my situation feels to me, his purposes are still bigger. The mission of Jesus to seek and save the lost is still bigger than how I felt on that driveway or how you feel with your finances or how you feel because you know, you're, you're lonely and you're like, I need to find a spouse. God says, I'm working on that, but first I need to work on you so you could shine my glory. Because that bottom line, that the same God who led you in will lead you out is true. It has not changed since the Red Sea. And God wants that to be lived out through you and through me. This is how we fight our battles. We take these Red Sea rules and we live them out. And we help each other on that journey so that God smiles and he shines and a world is impacted by the influence of Jesus Christ. So if you guys would, close your eyes. And uh, I'm going to take a minute and pray for us. And it's great seeing you here at Vision Church today. But only God knows where your heart's at. God knows what you think about when I say the name Jesus. And in this moment... I want you to focus on the fact that God loves you and he does want you to be free. He wants you to be free from sin and death and hell. He wants you to be free. So in this moment, whether you're here in this room or watch it online, if you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, he is the key to being free. That you would admit that you're a sinner that you're not perfect, that you would believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the only way to heaven, and you would choose to live for him. That right now, in your mind, in your heart, you'd make that transaction and say, Jesus, I don't want to be the leader anymore. I need you to be the leader. I give you my life. In fact, if you're doing that for the first time, raise your hand so we can know that you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, and he will be your leader forever. And God, what you're doing in us, in a group of people that are facing Red Seas, God, you're refining us. You're changing us. You're giving us an opportunity to go to a new level in our journey. And God, I thank you for your closeness, your covering over us. That God, you are the God of victory. In any situation we're facing, you are the God of victory. And we thank you for that. So God, thank you for allowing us to open up your word today. Look into the life of Moses and the Israelites. Refining us what you want, God. 
Teach us what you want from this today. Mold and shape us, God, even as we sing to you and as we leave from here today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Vision Church podcast. We hope that you were able to experience God in a real and powerful way today. If you just made the decision to accept Jesus, then congratulations. We would love to celebrate with you. Visit viz.church salvation, and we would love to meet you along with mailing you a free gift. We would also love to have you join us for church in person or on the Vision Network this Sunday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Head on over to viz.church RSVP to let us know you're coming. As always, we are here for you, and we love to pray for you in any way that we can. Send us a DM on Instagram at viz.church, and a team member will be in touch shortly. Thanks again for joining us, and God bless.